Hi everyone, Natalie Dale here and welcome back or if you're with us for the first time, welcome to GDOT's Ahead of the Curve podcast. Today we are celebrating, ta-da, yay, balloons, cake. We're celebrating a birthday. It is the 10-year birthday of GDOT's TIA program. So happy birthday. We're going to hear all about how we've gotten to where we are and what it's like to have a 10-year-old out of diapers, not quite asking for the car keys yet, all the things that we have accomplished in this last decade. So welcome to our podcast, where again, we spotlight the amazing people, programs, and projects that make our state's transportation network ahead of the curve. Funding transportation projects can be tricky for for many reasons. Funding at any level is a hot topic when we talk about projects. How are projects funded? Where does that money come from? Where does that money go? Who gets the project? Uh, Is it state money? Is it federal money? There's lots of questions that get asked when we talk about funding and projects. And some people are familiar with the taxes that are part of uh, the cost of gallon of gasoline and diesel, especially when you hit up the pump and what we've been through over the past several months with the gas tax being pulled. People know when they go to the gas pump that they are putting money into that gas pump and they are going toward our roads. But do you know that that funding also comes from initiatives such as SPLOST, which is, we love our acronyms here, SPLOST, Special Purpose Local Option Sales Tax which are fees which are voted on and approved by constituencies during general elections. One such voter-approved referendum created Georgia DOT's TIA program, and that's why we're here today. TIA, again, one of our wonderful acronyms. If I was a cool kid and I'm texting, it's thanks in advance, and so we want to thanks in advance for our TIA program, which stands here for Transportation Investment Act. And we are joined by Kenneth Franks, TIA Administrator for GDOT, and representatives from two of the first three regions to pass the referendum. We're going to learn about the past, present, and always exciting future of this landmark program for Georgia right after this short break. Hey, rural Georgia. Do you know about our CHAMP program? The Coordinated Highway Assistance and Maintenance Program, or CHAMPS, patrol interstates outside of Metro Atlanta, and respond to traffic-related incidents in the area. CHAMPS also assist stranded motorists with flat tires, dead batteries, or in need of fuel or coolant. So if you find yourself in need of assistance on an interstate outside of Metro Atlanta, dial 511 on your phone to request CHAMP motorist assistance. Welcome back. Joining us in studio today is Kenneth Franks, who serves as GDOT's TIA Administrator. Awesome. Always to talk to you, Kenneth. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy birthday. I will not sing it, but do you feel 10? Uh, Not quite 10. Um, I've only been in the program for about seven years, so I I, I feel much younger than 10, actually. But um, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for um, letting me and my guest uh, explain a little bit about TIA and what's going on with TIA talk about our past and our future. A lot has been accomplished. Um, A lot of projects have uh, have broken ground. A lot of projects have been completed. Uh, So let's talk about that. But first, we want to know about you. Part of this podcast is putting uh, faces, names with faces, and and 
really helping people to understand the personality behind the wonderful men and women who work at GDOT. So tell us just about you. Totally aside from Tia, who is Kenneth Franks? Ooh, that's a very tough question. Um, so It's a short podcast. <laughs> so. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Kenneth Franks is an engineer by education. Um, and I've been with GDOT for 20 years now. So a 20-year employee. Uh, one of the long timers, um, I enjoy doing transportation projects. And I didn't really realize that. I started doing engineering and, and the design process wasn't quite for me. And whenever I got into project management, I like to see the full process and like to see it play out. And after a while, I, I moved to the TIA office and it was a perfect fit. So, you know, seeing everything transpire with the transportation projects from creating it to delivering it and closing it out. It's uh, A to Z transportation in, in one program. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, I, I know working with you on several things over the past many years in, in different roles that uh, many, everyone at GDOT loves what they do. We come here, we work for the citizens of Georgia, but you especially stick out to me as someone at this department who really has, it in sort of fitting into this role with Tia, such a passion, such an energy for delivering these projects to these communities. So I commend you for that. But tell me what, what a typical day for you is like, because I know you get up raring to go. <laughs> well, first I wake up and, and try to get my two boys off to school in time. Um, and, and after that, you know, check my phone, look to see what's going on at my level as the administrator. Um, I, I'm trying to make sure that we plan out next steps for the program, what projects are coming up, um, what needs to be done, paying invoices, paying contractors, um, all that stuff, the day to day, but, but also handling big issues that may be going wrong with the project. So making sure that the headaches are as minimal as possible for the program. So that's, that's most of my day um, is, is dealing with stuff and, and trying to be as, as progressive as possible with looking downstream and, and making sure that the program's streamlined out and we're being as diligent as we can with spending our money and being as transparent with our spending. So we have a lot going on now with the TIA program, but take us back 10 years. I know you weren't, you weren't there when the baby was born, but but I know you have such institutional knowledge to take us back 10 years. How did, how did we get here? How did we get started? So from my understanding, and this was before, before I became involved in the program, um, I think from a, a state perspective, um, transportation funding had been a problem for a long time. Um, and, and the, the house of representatives and the Senate had looked at various different ways to solve this problem, you know, with a, with a funding mechanism through the general assembly. And I, I think they struck out a couple of times and they were really struggling to find something that would get traction across the state. Uh, in 2009, they came up with the Transportation Investment Act and it, it scuffled around in some committees and it came out of the House Transportation Committee. Committee. I think Vance Smith was one of the, the chairs of the committee at the time. And, you know, I tried to give him kudos for it. And he told me, well, you know, by the time they passed that thing, I'd already left and I was at GDOT. So he didn't want to take too many of the kudos. But if you go back and look at House Bill 277, which is the Transportation Investment Act, 
he is listed as the top billed sponsor. So out of the house, um, Vance Smith and a group of other politicians put it together and it was sponsored in the Senate um, by Jeff Mullins. Um, and it, it gave it a true regional approach. And what I'm saying by that is each region was tasked with coming up with a list of projects that are funded by the approved investment list sales tax revenue. And those projects are locally supported. So the counties and the cities would get together on, on what the, the bill created or the legislation created as a regional roundtable. And uh, two representatives from each county in each region come together, sort through a massive list of projects for transportation um, for inclusion on the list, and they pare them down to a fiscally constrained list based on a 10-year projection for the program. So once they do that, um, you know, then it, it goes before the voters um, after the executive committee has pared it down and, and got the list of projects. We're, so We're really talking the epitome of, of a grassroots effort here, right. of really putting the power in the communities who drive the roads. And we certainly, as GDOT with, with the districts, we have eyes on the roads, but we are constrained with the amount of what we can do with the state funding uh, projects top to bottom, north to south, that we have to fit that in. And so in developing this program, we have really highlighted local control on, on moving projects forward that really mean the most to them. And I know you see that every day. How, do, how does that reflect sort of the priorities of the locals to be able to, to move these projects? It's, it's immense to the locals. I mean, before TIA, some of these regions didn't have enough money to resurface their roads or maintain their local roads. Um, whenever it comes to a region like Heart of Georgia, they had 764 projects on their approved investment list. Now, that's a massive amount of projects, but that just goes to, to show what the issues were in that, that region. Um, that region hadn't had enough funds to, to manage in the resurfacing of their local city streets and county roads for some time. So this opened up a, a pot of money, so to speak, for them to get some of their maintenance back in check where it needs to be because they didn't have that transportation funding allocated for a long time. And, and efficiency-wise... How would you, how would you grade how these projects are delivered when they're part of that very specific, very drilled down list that these regions develop on their own? And again, they are fiscally constrained, but delivered is are they is it faster, more efficient? How would you, I'm, I'm I'm telling you to say good things about right, your, your right. baby? So so um, the floor is yours. In in my opinion, it's it's probably the most efficient program in, in GDOT. Um, it, it really is. We have a dedicated pot of money and a dedicated list of projects to deliver. So, so the program not changing any within the 10-year period makes it easier to plan out. You know, you have your revenue coming in, and as soon as you have enough revenue to build the project, then, then you build the project. Um, I try to be very forward thinking with laying out the program. We, we start working on PE and, and get everything super ramped up as, as quick as we can in the first couple of years. Try to design as many of the major projects as we can so they'll be ready for construction earlier in that window. We try our best to get everything, you know, lined up as efficient as possible. Um, and with it being 
local revenue, it, it does afford us some flexibilities as far as the way we start projects. Um, we can start designing a project with, without all the cash on hand. Um, we can push a project forward faster. Um, we work with the locals to allow them to help us um, prioritize the program. Because, in fact, these projects are their projects. So with them having that understanding that we have the flexibility to move projects, certain projects up if they're a local priority. So we have that flexibility to move them up. And our, our funds aren't tied to specific fund years. So we have, have a lot of flexibility with the TIA program, um, especially because of the funding. Some would say it probably took... A lot of trust and we will talk to you know representatives from the early adopters uh that it, it took some trust and it it was some may say a leap of faith to sort of enter to, to buy into the program and to enter into it because it was a choice um and so from day one to now tell me how have how have sentiments changed how has the sort of tone of of how these communities think about tia and then the ones that weren't the, the ones that didn't adopt, uh, are they jealous? <laughs> I, I get a couple of calls a year from regions that aren't TIA regions, and, and some regions are jealous. Um, there's still a lot of skepticism, um, but there's not a lot of skepticism in the, the four regions where we're actively doing TIA. Um, the very first meetings that you have with these regions, and, and whenever I came on board, there was a narrative out there that there was some distrust. There were a lot of naysayers. Um, we have three to four public meetings a year in each one of the regions. And I know in CSRA, one of our regions, um, Central Savannah River area, we used to have a gentleman that would come in and he's trying to catch us, you know, misappropriating funds or doing something incorrect. And after about two or three years, he was just, just disappeared. He stopped coming to the meetings because he couldn't find anything that we were doing wrong. So um, to say that, you know, there wasn't bumps in the road or, or trust to earn from the locals, I mean, it, it absolutely was. But, you know, priority one for us is, is transparency and being open with the public, letting the public know what we're working on. Um, I'll take this opportunity to shout out our website, ga.tia.com. Um, please go to the TIA website. Check it out. Um, we show you to the penny how much we've spent on every project that we've worked on. Um, we show you in what phase it's in, if it's complete, if it's under construction. Um, and, you know, we've got minutes uh, from our public meetings that we have with our citizen panel review, citizen review panels. Um, so those guys are in charge of oversight of the program and ensuring that we deliver it um, as it was supposed to be delivered. I would say that one of the larger criticisms that we get as a department, whether fair or not, is that we don't communicate with the locals. And I think the TIA program is a, a benchmark of, of how we do. Um, and, and it is specifically your job to work with those locals. But it shows, I think, that that, that is throughout the department, not just in, in, within TIA, but it, that is a sentiment that sort of reverberates throughout this building, throughout the districts, is that we do value our relationships with locals. You just happen to sit in a seat that, that has sort of the expert um, view of, of what it is like to work with locals. So what, what some of your favorite parts are, are 
some of your favorite projects, favorite parts, favorite things that have happened working directly with locals. Mm. Pick your favorite project. My favorite. It's like your what's your favorite kid? <laughs> I won't ask you to do that because I. But tell me how many have been. Tell me how many have been completed and sort of some that have that strike you as highlights of things that have changed lives in those regions. So, so we have. 866 projects complete to date. Um, we currently have 90 projects under construction, um, and that is out of the 1,022 projects that were in the first 10 years for the original three regions and projects that are in southern Georgia that are active. And southern Georgia came on a couple of years after. Um, they were one of those regions that you um, you made a comment to earlier about are some of the regions jealous? They want it in. They want it in. Southern Georgia wanted in, and they've got in. So we're we're four years into it um, in Southern Georgia. So we're 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 walking um, past the crawling stage. Um, but I'm I think I'm really preferential to the program. I'm from Lawrence County, so you know this kind of takes me back to my roots. You know, I graduated college at Georgia Southern. And then I, I came up to the big city to get a job and being able to handle some of the local priorities that's from my hometown, that's from the area that I grew up and deliver that program. Um, that's, that's been a big proud moment of mine. Um, there's a, a new location um, crossing of the, um, the Oconee River in Lawrence County. You know, it, it opens up Johnson County to be able to get to Lawrence County faster. Um, this, this is a project that was on GDOT's books for a while beforehand, um, but it, it had not accelerated to the point where it was going to be fully funded um, until TIA came along. TIA came along, funds were allocated to this project, and this project was actually able to move forward. Um, a project like that cuts time for you know a whole county to get to a larger city faster, medical services, um, hospital care, um, project like that hits home because it's where I'm from. So, I mean, I've got some other projects that we've delivered throughout. Um, I've got an interchange that's under construction right now in, in, in Columbus. And, you know, I started as a regional coordinator with TIA and that was one of my projects that we got the PE contract. So I've, I've worked on that project from getting the PE contract and getting it started to watching it progress in construction. So seeing a major project like that move through the program, that one that one's a big project to me as well. So they're they're personal to you and they certainly are personal to the people in these communities. It's it's changing lives, it's enhancing lives, it's bringing opportunities. Um, and so we are going to talk to uh, those regions that that you work with. When we come back after the short break, we're going to hear from Southern Georgia and the heart of Georgia Altamaha regions about what the program brought to their communities, what it's still bringing to their communities, and look ahead at what's to come for your innovative program. So we'll be right back. Sadly, human trafficking happens everywhere, but often happens on our nation's roadways. In Georgia, the average age of a human trafficking victim is 14 years old. 
By being aware and knowing the signs of human trafficking, you could make a difference and help stop this crime. Know the warning signs like inappropriate clothing either for age or weather, the inability to speak for oneself, they show signs of physical abuse, or the individual is fearful, timid, or submissive. Georgia DOT is doing our part to end human trafficking. Please report any suspicious activity to the Georgia Human Trafficking Hotline at 866-363-4842. That's 866-363-4842. For information on the warning signs of human trafficking, visit doas.ga.gov. Let's band together to end human trafficking in Georgia. Welcome back. We are so glad you are still here. We've got exciting guests. I love guests with us to talk through regional impacts and success stories, which is a sort of the, the benchmark of this 10-year birthday. What is the success stories? Uh, Kenneth, our TF administrator, is still here, and he's going to sort of slide over into the host seat with me, and we're going to talk to Brett Manning, who's the executive director of the Heart of Georgia Altamaha Regional Commission, and Bill Slaughter, who is a member of the Southern Georgia Citizens Review Panel. Uh, gentlemen, why don't you take a moment, introduce yourselves to us, uh, and tell us a little bit about the regions you represent. Brett, because HAGA is one of my favorite acronyms that we use, why don't you go first? Sure, uh, thank you. Uh, Brett Manning, Executive Director of the Heart of Georgia Altamont Regional Commission. Uh, our region is made up of 17 counties and 62 municipalities. Uh, we are probably the most rural region in the state uh, as far as population-wise. Uh, our largest city is Dublin, which is, I think is just a little over 17,000 people, and our largest county is Lawrence, which is just under 50,000. Bill, tell us tell us about your region. What makes y'all what makes y'all different? Uh, well, again, we are uh, a rural region. Uh, we have um, four larger cities, uh, counties, I say, that, that's, of course, Lowndes, where I'm located, Tift, Coffee, and Ware County. And then a lot of uh, small, very rural counties uh, that uh, really just does not have the resources to be able to do the projects that they actually need in their community. And so, again, when uh, we had the opportunity to do the regional concept with our 18-county regions, we just saw it as an opportunity really to help our smaller local counties that do a lot contributing to these larger counties from an economic development standpoint uh, that we just felt like that it was the best thing and the right thing to do. And so, again, we did do that. We were successful in getting it passed and have had a lot of projects that we most likely would have never been able to get completed in, um, in the southern Georgia region uh, because just the funding was not there, not only for the smaller counties, but for the larger counties as well. I mean, we're doing projects right now that, that you know, we talked about, the community talked about them, but in reality, these projects were going to be 20, 30 years out before they would ever see any kind of completion dates. And now they are much, much closer. We're moving forward with them. Citizens seem to be very happy with it. Of course, it's all the um, all the orange barrels. You know, that always uh, folks are, are sad to see them. They're frustrated with them. But at the end of the day, when the project is completed, as we have many of them, they are just as happy as they can be with those improvements 
which are possible, made possible through the TIA uh, referendum. And so, again, we're very, very proud and very, very glad to be a part of it. Well, and we always talk, Governor Kemp, number one state to do business. That doesn't mean that Atlanta is the number one city to do business. Georgia is the number one state. That is top to bottom. That is every community. That's every road that freight moves on. That is the jobs that we're bringing to small communities. And so uh, I, I love when we get to talk to our communities outside of what people would consider to be the metro Atlanta area where our, our main office is. So thank you for joining us today. Um, tell us some of the most impactful projects, whether that uh, shortened a, a trip, whether that made it possible for uh, more freight movement, whether it just made someone's day easier in, in their in their road. Tell us some of the most impactful projects that this program has brought to your region. Uh, I'll be glad to talk from the southern regional standpoint. We, we've got several projects that still are in band two and three uh, that are being planned at this time that's going to be very, very impactful. Uh, projects that have recently been, been completed, certainly here, I can speak for Lowndes County. Uh, our old 41 area is has become a high growth area for the community. This was just a two lane road uh, and we have a private school on this road. We have a lot of traffic that come in comes into the city of Aldosta from one of our smaller cities. Um, Plus the fact that, as I said, from a residential standpoint and commercial standpoint, it has become a high growth area. So the improvement on this road to widen it, this road is almost completed. So we've done that. Um, and we, we again, uh, done this through the TIA referendum. We also had another issue um, on a road that was extremely important. Uh, fortunately, here in Lowndes County, we have Moody Air Force Base. We had a dirt road that was being utilized public transportation that was right next to the fence of Moody Air Force Base. This created a security issue for Moody Air Force Base. And so we had talked with them for many times about realigning that road, making a little change in it, which would help them with their security issues. But again, we felt like in order to do that for the benefit of the citizens that lived in that area, that we would need to pave that road in order to make these changes. And we put that in as one of our TIA projects. And of course it was, uh, again, we, we are now under construction on that project, which in turn, not only is going to help the citizens that live out there, but certainly help our friends at Moody Air Force Base on a security issue that they had as well. And again, which in turn helps the entire community. So very impactful projects. And we're, we're very proud of each and every one of them. It doesn't matter specifically about the length of the road or connectivity to the road. The importance of it is, is that the need was there and the citizens saw the need and the citizens voted to support the TIA referendum. And that's really the key to all this is identifying the projects that the citizens have needs in along with what we recognize, but certainly the citizens and, and how it impacts their lives in the future is extremely important. So consequently, those were the decisions that we went through as we developed our list uh, that would be decided on by the round table. And so we, again, we were very, very fortunate to get some of these projects in that, in the uh, TIA referendum. Now, Mr. Slaughter, you mentioned 
bands, and let me let me jump in and give you a little bit of details to the listeners on the bands. Um, the program needed to be fiscally broke out over the 10-year period. So the projects were allotted in either band one, band two, or band three. So that was more of just a scheduling component of where the projects were slated. Um, and the executive committee and the regional roundtable had some say as to how the projects were slotted in their, their particular bands whenever the investment list were created. So, and, and Mr. Slaughter also has a great perspective on the entire entirety of the program because not only is he a, a chairman of one of the counties, he sits on the citizens review panel and, and oversees it. He was also on the executive committee that, that developed the project list for Southern Georgia. So he, he gets to see all aspects of creation of the list and um, delivering the projects on the back end of the list as well. I tell my kids often, don't, don't tell me, show me. Don't tell me you're going to clean your room. Show me you clean your room. And so I, I know for all three, all three of you gentlemen working with uh, the locals, working with your constituents, working with um, everyone who travels throughout your region, uh, that there may have been some naysayers or some, when we talked earlier, some skepticism. How do y'all, how do y'all handle that? Or how do y'all sort of calm those fears or, or explain the process of how the projects are moving forward? Um, I like to believe that y'all have heard no negativity as these pro- programs have gotten started. But uh, realistically here at GDOT, we do hear, we, there are some questions, there are some eyebrows raised. So how have y'all dealt with that in your individual regions? Well, I know uh, when, when it first started, uh, especially back in 2012 when the referendum uh, came up for a vote, there was a lot of negativity uh, about it and a lot of skepticism, as you said. Uh, one of the things we did is, uh, as a region is we got out, got, got the word out, had town hall meetings. Uh, I know I, I went to many, many county town hall meetings and basically just sat down with people and, and went over the program with them, uh, told them about the projects in their region, told them about the projects in their in their communities, how it would affect them both as quality of life, economic development, safety, uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, we also did some radio spots. Uh, for this, this past round, uh, we kind of did the same thing. We had several town hall meetings, uh, you know, got the development authorities involved to spread the word, put signs out. We had a little more handle on uh, how, to, how, to, how to go forward with, with uh, promoting uh, the TIA uh, this time around than we did the first time. Uh, and during the process, we've just tried to keep people abreast of situations. You know, I go to speak at uh, civic club meetings all the time, and that's one of the first things they want to talk about is TIA. So we, we give them as much. We flood them with information, uh, so to speak. To, uh, to, to make sure they have the knowledge uh, that they need to know what the program is about. I would add as well that in the Southern Georgia regional uh, area, we, we ran against uh, up against the same opposition. There was folks here that uh, I don't know if it was a mistrust on the fact that, that, you know, they did not know exactly what was going on it was a, it did involve an awful lot of money because i tell you those those pennies go a long way when you begin to add them up and so we we did the same thing um we promoted it heavily uh fortunately my position as chairman of the county commission i do two radio shows twice a month uh with a talk radio host and that was a lot of the discussion and so we were very open about it 
we identified the projects. We kept pushing the projects out as the as the focal point, uh, and then the money kind of uh, was on the back end of it. Is what the amount of the money was, and certainly there were discussions um, about the fact that we, as the county that I'm located in, and three of the other communities are are basically donor counties you're actually collecting more money than actually is going to be spent in your county now that was a little contentious uh, but reality was is that we have to recognize the fact that these areas are the shopping hubs for the the smaller counties those folks are coming into our county and so i just felt a strong obligation that we needed to share in that opportunity uh, with these smaller counties to help them with the projects because really that's where the biggest need was certainly with them because again they just did not have the, the revenue resources to be able to get a lot of these projects done and we wanted to improve the roads that was leading into Lowndes County so that those citizens when they were ready to come in and, and shop in our community that they'd have good safe roads to do that on. Not only roads, um... You know, I think it's a good good opportunity to point out that, you know, we do roads, um, we, we pave dirt roads, um, we've replaced bridges, um, sidewalks, operational projects, um, we have transit projects. So it's not only roads that we're talking about, but um, aviation as well. So we're tying in all aspects of transportation. Um, and Bill, you would be a, a great person to talk about um, something that, is not talked about a lot in, in TIA um, from an outside perspective. We talk about the projects a lot and the projects on the improved investment list, but um, tell us a little bit about what that discretionary money can do for a, a county or a city. Oh, absolutely. The discretionary money allows us to take smaller projects that were not included in the TIA referendum. Uh, it allows us to be able to take those dollars that we're getting from the, the 25% discretionary funding and be able to spend it in our community on anything for the most part that is transportation related. So again, we've been able to do a lot of small projects with that, continue to work on those things. Uh, and again, we just want to, you know, you look at transportation a lot of times as, as just moving vehicles and moving people. But reality is at the end of the day, it's one of the quality of life issues that you have to deal with in a community because without good transportation, good good ways for your citizens to move around in the in the community in a safe manner, then that affects the quality of life that your citizens that live within your communities have. So uh, we we uh, focus on those areas. We really look hard at at what the actual needs are to make any improvements that we need. Maybe they're intersection improvements that could be lighting at intersections, a lot of different things. And so the discretionary money that that 25% that the counties are able to get back uh, is, is those are the projects that we're able to do on a as need basis as those projects show up. We're talking about a 10 year program with TIA. So you put projects together that you feel like that you'll be able to get done within that 10 years within the, the the monetary restraints but also in that 10 years there's always other needs that comes up i know for the small counties it could be something as simply as having to purchase um, a motor grader to be able to 
keep their their dirt roads up and keep those roads safe so again the discretionary money has just really been fantastic as well and has been a boost to our local economy and our local needs here in our in uh, our county and Kenneth, explain to someone who is listening to this who has no no idea about tier that this is bonus for these regions we are still actively as a department working in these regions we are still delivering projects we are still um, we still have district maintenance on the ground. We still are, it, we're still doing every day-to-day thing that GDOT does in these regions. This is the commitment that these constituencies have made beyond that to Absolutely. their region. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about talk about these projects and, and you know, this one cent sales tax, um, the pennies add up over the years. So you're looking at a total that's been collected to date of $1.8 billion dollars. Um, that's a massive amount of money to go to transportation needs in, in these regions. Um, $459 million in discretionary money that's been dispersed to date to all the cities and counties in these four regions, and $1.3 million and some change, $1.3 billion, sorry. I'm not used that's to saying, not used to saying billion. I don't say it a lot. Um, <laughs> it is going to fund the projects on the approved investment list. Um, and, and I know we've been happy with the progress that we've seen throughout the program. And, and I believe that the, you know, going back to the transparency and the citizens, um, you know, understanding it. I mean, you go back to the vote, um, you know, whenever Heart of Georgia voted back in 20, what, what 2012, um, it was 51.7% yes vote, and whenever they voted for the continuation of the program, it was 63.5% yes. So that's a 11.8% increase. Sorry, I'm an engineer. I'm throwing out exact numbers. Um, but I, I think that's the kind of proof in the pudding kind of deal. If, if there wasn't local support across the region, if people weren't seeing the projects delivered or if they didn't have a good feeling about it, I don't think we would have saw an increase in, in the percentage of yes votes that we saw in that region. And the first three regions have unanimously said 10 more. 10 more years. 10 more years. All three regions have signed up. So that's um, 787 new projects that we are currently programming and getting lined up for the next next 10 years. So, Mr. Manning, what is, what's the future for the heart of Georgia region? What's on y'all's agenda next? Well, uh, like Ken said, uh, all those projects you just mentioned, 580 of them are ours. So uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of work ahead of us. But who's uh, counting? But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's counting? Uh, you know, we kind of did ours a little different from everyone else. Uh, we have a lot of local projects and, uh, and a few regional projects just because as Kenneth mentioned earlier in, 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 in the segment that, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of rural counties and cities and they just needed that funding to, to help with simple things like resurfacing or sidewalks, things of that nature. And, that, and that's what a lot of our projects are. And, that's, and I think that's why it passed in our region. People saw actually improvements being done in their neighborhood on streets they use every single day other than just, you know, something like the Oconee Bridge, which was very important or, the widening of US-1, which is was extremely important, but, you know, just the everyday local roads that they use, seeing those getting paid, uh, seeing those dollars at work, knowing where it come, where it's come from, uh, helped get us a bigger, that 11-point uh, swing uh, in our favor on the vote this time. Right. 
it's it's not always the amount of money we spend it's it's the impact that these projects are making and exactly. that's exciting that you get to do that 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 10 more years that you see the benefits now and as 10 more years in the future you can only imagine what how else it's going to evolve so in the southern georgia region what what is the path forward there what is what is the next 10 years or Ten look like well we're what, we're in year four, right we're in year five right now mm-hmm. and um, Southern Georgia has already initiated the pro- the roundtable process to look at the next ten years um, we're in a, a different position in as far as collecting revenue in Southern Georgia um, we're ahead of the curve as far as we've got the cash um, we've collected about five and a half years worth of revenue in four years. Um, so we're trying to advance the projects faster, accelerate the program, and if we keep collections up at the rate that we're collecting, we hope to finish the 10-year program in about nine years. Mr. Slaughter, what are you most excited about? Well, I, I'm very excited about the fact that um, that the revenue has been strong and that we will be completing uh, these projects uh, and, and as Kenneth said, uh, we have started the, the process here in our region um, to start the roundtable, to start the discussion about the projects. So that's moving forward very well. We have that on a timeline um, that is a relatively tight timeline, but we are confident that we that we will get it all accomplished in time. But again, you know, when we first had this opportunity, it was really kind of getting the low-hanging fruit and getting that done. Um, And so we did that and we were successful in those areas. So now we're going to be a little bit more strategic about the improvements that we're going to need to make. We certainly have continue in our county, again, um, out in our rural area, there's a, a lot of dirt roads that are good connecting roads, but they're very difficult to keep those roads maintained and passable in foul weather conditions. So we want to pave those roads, improve the connectivity between our higher capacity roads, certainly focus on on bridges and those sort of things that we need to continue to focus on. But again, what this is going to do is just allow us to, to be really 20, 30 years ahead of the curve of where we typically would be as far as our transportation needs in this 18-county region. And so, again, we're we're going to be very forward-thinking. We're going to be very analytical about the projects that we select. Um, and, and so I'm sure the other counties and the municipalities will be doing the same thing. Uh, and again, everybody's very excited about the successes that we've had so far, and we are just very much looking forward to it. And I have a lot of confidence that our citizens will be excited for us as well and will continue to support it. I do feel like that we will have an increase in our percentage as well of voters that voted for it. And so, again, just looking very, very much forward to the future of TIA. I hope we have TIA around for a very, very long time because it has been very beneficial to all of the counties in our 18-county region. Kenneth, I know you approach your job and these communities and these projects from a very personal place because, like you said, this is the communities that you came from and you work daily with them. What does the next 10 years look like for you? 
delivering more projects. Um, in essence, uh, I think we've packed in a lot of lessons learned in, in the first 10 years. Um, it is very much a, a living program. Um, you have projects to deliver. You, you have budgets and, and things change, and you have certain things that impact the program. So we watch cash flow on a monthly basis. We look at the, the revenue as it's coming in. Um, you know, in southern Georgia, we've got the opportunity to be really aggressive with our spending because the revenue is coming in much faster than we anticipated. Um, it's, it's kind of exciting once a month to see, like, well, we've got a yearly fiscal plan. Are we ahead of that? Where do we need to be? Let's see what we can do to be better at what we do. Um, and, and I think the, the next 10 years gives us that opportunity to, to look at what we've done, how we've done it, and how we can be better at doing it. Um, you know, not only from delivering projects, but building relationships with the locals, you know, building that trust. Um, 60% of our projects are locally delivered. And what I mean by that is like we put together contracts and, and we enable the locals to deliver their own projects. So we kind of step back from a GDOT perspective, the projects that GDOT's delivering, um, we look at our cash flow and we enable the locals to push their priorities faster and we kind of work that into our annual fiscal plan. So if a local has a high priority project, we advance that if we can, because we know that's what this program's about. It's about the local supported projects and them pushing their transportation needs to, to delivery. Well, the future, the future is bright. And I think we're all very optimistic about what the next 10 plus years will bring. So thank you so much for joining us, Kenneth and Brett and Bill on the phone for joining us today. And thank you for your time. We have so much to look forward to as we enter TIA 2 era including new projects that support improve mobility for rural communities across Georgia. They are so important to our economy. Uh, they, are, they are Georgia. So we are thrilled about what this program brings to them. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about TIA, please do. Please visit www.ga-tia.com. That's T-I-A. Join us next month as we spotlight the innovative ways Georgia DOT is funding designing and delivering some of the largest and most transformative projects in the state and learn about how we communicate all of these projects with the communities that are impacted. And of course, talk with and about all of the fabulous people who work here at Georgia DOT. That's what's coming up next on Ahead of the Curve.